0: Hi, everybody. It's Dan Sullivan here. And it's always a great pleasure of mine when I see you have a podcast with Peter Diamantis. And this is called Exponential Wisdom. Peter and I have been collaborators and friends, 2011, I think. We have a lot of common interests. One of them is technology, and the other one is living a long time. You know, we come from different backgrounds and we have different interests. And one of my interests is, you know, the impact of four factors on whether things move forward quickly or they move backwards and sometimes quickly backwards. So we did a podcast on this, and it was a big hit when it came out on our AI newsletter, which Peter was instrumental in actually creating. And anytime there's an article by Peter, it gets a big open rate. <laughs> so Peter, I just want to tell you that gradually things interwine with each other, and relationships we find out and topics and interests. So it's been a great pleasure. And this podcast series is in the top 2% out of 2.5 million podcasts. So, Thank you, buddy. 12 years down, 1,200 years to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Peter, I was just talking about one incident that happened probably within the last six weeks, and it's basically Somali... Activists, I'll call them. Some people call them terrorists, who are sending rockets and they're sending boats to interrupt maritime shipping coming out basically from the Red Sea into the Indian Ocean. I just followed this from the beginning because I'm very interested what an incident like this does to costs. So that's what I'd like to talk about.
1: Okay. Well, you know, listen, the global domestic product is a function of goods and services, and if you can't exchange goods and services, you're screwed. The reality is most people don't realize, you know, shipping and trucking are amongst the biggest mechanisms for that. So if you can do blockades and throughout history, and you know more, far more about this than I do... You know, the only thing that's going to eventually change this is going to be localized manufacturing. Mm -hmm. We'll get there eventually with nanotechnology and advanced 3D printing where you can manufacture whatever you want Mm -hmm. based upon Mm -hmm. atomic components. But we're not there yet.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this particular incident and it's in the news pretty well every day. And the U.S. didn't want to be involved in it, but they were starting to go after American ships. Never American ships under the American flag, but American ships that have another flag. So, you know, it's back and forth. But one of the instant consequences of these rocket attacks were threefold. One of them was that instead of 16% of global trade going through the Straits of Hormuz, only 8% is. So it got cut in half. And the other shipping is diverting, going back out through the Mediterranean, or it's going overland. But in the shipping, it's going around Africa to get to the Indian Ocean, which takes us (laughs) back about 500 years. Mm. That's 24 extra days that's added to the shipping trip. And on those ships are things that are bound for 100,000 supply chains somewhere along the way in destination. But the other thing is that per ship, they have to use a million dollars more fuel in the trip. But all the supply chains are immediately backed up by 24 days. And, you know, cars got around 40,000 parts. But if you're missing one of them, you just have an expensive driveway sculpture. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the other thing is the cost of maritime insurance instantly notched up about 5% to 10%. So these are all costs of transportation and they affect the final profitability of end term products. So as you said, and we're going to the consequences already, same thing is happening with the Panama Canal, because these are very vital time savers are the two big canals. The thing that's really interesting here is, and you put it, and I think COVID was what started it, It that countries like the United States decided that anything that's a crucial product, the supply chains have to be on the continent. Yeah, we're onshoring
1: manufacturing at the same time that we're offshoring talent, and it's interesting, right? Because all of a sudden, your who can be anywhere on the planet, and I don't know about you, Dan, but I use a number of coders that are in Poland, Eastern Bloc, or in Philippines or in South and Central America who are amazing. It's geographic arbitrage and price, so all of a sudden, you know. I'm depending upon stuff physically being manufactured locally, especially we're seeing this in the chip wars, but I'm open to buying my cognitive talent, any place on the planet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is that the cognitive talent around the planet is linking digitally with the places where they can get most highly paid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's
1: enabled all of this, of course, is digitization. I mean the mm-hmm. fact that you can zoom for free, and you've got a whole slew of other sort of social technologies that enable you, you know, to stay, uh, like Slack, to stay connected, independent of location and time. At Abundance 360 this year, I'm bringing the CEO of Archer Aviation and head of business development. Archer is probably the top. Electric vertical takeoff or landing EV tall. I hope they're going to bring their vehicle the midnight. It's beautiful. And we're going to start to see a lot of these electric, for lack of a better term, they're called flying cars. They really are multi copters, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, pop up from your backyard or from the local small vertiport and go and skip the traffic. It's dimensionalizing transport.
0: Have you been on a passenger version of one of these? I haven't
1: yet. I'm actually going to bring a working one that we're going to do demos at the Terranea Resort. Mm -hmm. So Midnight, which is part of the uh, Archer, is a pilot plus four passengers, and it's going into commercial operations in 2025. It's a gorgeous airplane, and they've got orders from major airlines and countries, and that's great. There's a consumer version of this that Larry Page had funded and started, it's now called Pivotal. We're going to bring it and fly it there, hopefully give some people a chance to buy or use it. And it's amazing. All of this is made possible now by new materials, better battery technology, logic, obviously GPS. Hmm. But the new versions are, shall we say, fail safe. It's hard to fail. It's hard to screw up. I hope no one
0: tries. <laughs> yeah. The interesting thing about it is, you know, I went digging for you know, where air traffic can move in the United States. And there are 15,000 airports in the United States airfields. Some of them operational right now, but they can be upgraded and they will be, because as you say, the manufacturing is going to come local and the manufacturing chooses spots that have a number of qualities is that you have multiple transportation routes. You have the interstate highway system, you have rail. I mean, a lot of people don't think about rail, but we have a client who is security for the total American rail system. He does security. But one of the big things on any given day, there's roughly about 250,000 boxcars or their flatbeds with containers on them. And every day, there's about 250,000 of them in motion. And on any given day, 15%, there's some car that's going in the wrong direction. (laughs) I
1: love that stat. You've mentioned that before. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And if you move it from 15% to 14%, it's worth a lot. And part of the reason is that the railroads really haven't had to modernize because You have the rail tracks, you have the car, and you have the diesels, and some of them have six diesels on them now. I've seen trains from Phoenix to Mexico. That's where I see them, Phoenix to Tucson, and they go forever. The trains just go forever. And then water transportation, the U.S. has the most navigable rivers, half the navigable rivers in the United States. The Mississippi Valley Network has 87 navigable rivers and it's the greatest river system. Then you have the coast. I mean, the United States is a maritime country. You know, you have the Pacific, you have the Gulf of Mexico, you have the Atlantic, and then you have the Great Lakes. And water transportation is one-twelfth the cost of any other transportation.
1: I've known Jeff Bezos for 40 plus years since college. I'd started a global space organization called Students for Exploration Development Space, and Jeff was the president at a Princeton chapter and I was the head of the MIT chapter. Anyway, I just followed his career. And when he set up Amazon in Seattle, it was because of the ports,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which was fascinating.
0: Yeah. So that's going to become crucial for the reshoring because you want the most number of factors that favor you, and so if you have air available, you have water available, you have interstate highways available, and then you have good road systems where you're living, that favors. And so you're seeing a lot of small in-between states that are between, let's say, Pennsylvania and the Rocky Mountains, you have all this vast space. and you know, the real estate prices are really cheap. Families can move from the city where they have 1,500 square foot condo and they can move to, you know, someplace in the Midwest and they get two acres and they have a car. It's amazing, right? So one of the things to think about is- I mean, in your plans, are you thinking about moving from California to the United States? Oh my God. I should most definitely, you know, I looked at the chart
1: of where people are moving from and the state from which most people are moving out is California. The mm-hmm. state to which most people are moving in is Florida.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, there was a plan, I remember at one point, where uh, a number of my, shall we say, very high net worth tech friends were like, we should really secede California from the U.S. <laughs> And there was a serious conversation going on. Oh, my God. No, I think we just need to acknowledge it. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. But
0: anyway, this is a shifting of melt costs that individuals are feeling. And one of the other costs that all these four things contribute to are government costs, government taxes and regulation. And there's a point where someone says, you know, I know it's a bit of an effort, but I think we ought to make the decision now and cut and go someplace else. And that's always been happening. I mean, there's nothing historically unique about what's happening right now. But I think the reindustrialization and the remanufacturing, and you had a speaker, and I don't quite remember his name, but he had been head of logistics for Amazon. And he spoke at the meeting, and he's got a thing called remanufacture.
1: Yeah, he was the CEO of all of amazon other than amazon cloud jeff wilkie yes yeah you know we're actually in discussions to bring him back this year
0: yeah i think that an update because he's got some amazing statistical changes to talk about i'm sure he's got his fingers plugged into he
1: is amazing such a sweetheart guy too i mean and talk about you know running most of Amazon for so long, so much he's learned. And it really is his vision in remanufacturing. And full disclosure, I'm an investor in the fund. Did you invest in it?
0: No. No, I invest in Ontario
1: real estate. Well, that's probably smart, especially as everybody moves out of the U.S. to the 51st state. Anyway, after COVID, you know, his goal was, can we reinvent U.S. manufacturing? Can we bring the best of robotics and the best of AI and 3D printing what they're planning to do is buy companies that have a good book of business, but are manufacturing inefficiently yes. and reinvent, mm-hmm. remanufacture.
0: I don't know. When the last time I saw him there, was maybe three years ago at A360. You know, a lot of people I was talking to at the audience, they didn't get it. Okay. But this is three years down the road and the, the U.S. has just gone through the greatest growth of industry in history you know, so this is happening. I like every once in a while on our podcast here to drop what a 18-year-old with a 10-week welding certification, what that person makes, you know. I tell you, you know,
1: know, my 12-year-old boys right now, listen, don't go to MIT, don't go to Harvard, go get your
0: welding degree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because in five years, I mean, if they don't take drugs, they don't get someone pregnant, they don't have a criminal record, they'll be making a quarter million dollars for the rest of their life at a minimum. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's a question in your case, Peter, when you turn a cost into a a return. <laughs> we'll maybe talk about this
1: in my next podcast, but I just did a ninety minute podcast with Elon last week. We had a fun conversation and you know, his conclusion at the end of it was be optimistic and have more babies. Yeah. Well, listen, if you get enough babies and they're working for you at a quarter million dollars, it's a good revenue stream.
0: <laughs> well, I tell you, he's pretty high on the scoreboard for both. You know? He's had a variety of different ways of having eleven babies, but yes. you know they're all potential investors, all potential workers. Oh. But you know, this is a subject that's going to be, a, I think, for you and for me, this is going to be a constant update subject: the reindustrialization and the remanufacturing of just the United States. It is, and by the way, this year twenty. 20- Well, I guess you say last year, 2023,
1: was really an inflection year for humanoid robotics. Mm -hmm. And I'll have a few of the humanoid robots at A360 this year at the Abundance Summit. I'm blown away by what I'm seeing from Optimus 2, what I'm seeing from Figure 1, what I'm seeing from Amica, who we had there a few years back. I keep on wanting to say she has made a lot of great progress. It's made a lot of great progress. It's amazing what's coming. And these mm-hmm. humanoid robots, they work 24-7. They don't require drug testing. They don't have problems with their boyfriend or girlfriend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're just earnest, straightforward workers, you know, and they're upgradable. <laughs> yep. And so it's an exciting time to be reinventing your business. Our main medical center is in Nashville, it's a bit of a trip to the clinic where we go and the last two trips i had three drivers who were doing adult education at vanderbilt and some of the local universities in nashville and all three of them were taking a robotics course
1: wow if you're not taking a robotics course you're taking an ai course and it's an amazing time
0: yeah one thing there's a interesting scorecard on this And it has to do with people moving from one place to the other, and it's the U-Haul statistics. So, for example, a trip from Seattle to Boise, the trip from Seattle to Boise, let's use a number here, it's $1,000. Yep. The same trip back to get the truck back is $200 from Boise to uh, Seattle. They want the truck back because there's more people who want to move to Boise. (laughs) And the other thing is the storage industry. One of the things is Americans really like to have a a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. When they move from one place, they pack up a lot of stuff that they're never going to use again, but they don't want to give up their stuff, so they put it in the storage lockers. Listen, I fully admit
1: when I moved from Washington, D.C. to L.A. in 2000, I put everything in a storage unit that I had a historical excavation of twelve years later. <laughs> it's like it's like, oh my God, old girlfriends, yeah, those oh, this stuff will never fit again.
0: It's like well, Joe Polish has been in the coach for twenty six years, I think. And in the early days before genius started, and we started creating a collaboration of sending people back and forth from coach to genius and genius to strategic coach, I would do a quarterly strategy circle with him, one of our tools, and on it for about five years, he said, go to my storage locker and figure out things. And I said, where is it? And it's a mile from where he lived. And I said, you know, you haven't taken any action on this storage locker. He says, no, but it's always playing on my mind. I said, so I'm going to give you a scenario. Tonight there's a freak storm in Phoenix and a single lightning bolt hits your locker and there's no collateral damage. It just hits your locker, but everything is burned to a crisp. And I said, how would you feel about that? And he says, Boy, I'd really feel freed up. <laughs> really? <laughs> just, just stop paying the storage fees and let them confiscate it. Well, you're never going to go and see this stuff. You know, I mean, I had a tailor, one of the great tailors in North American history. His name was Harry Rosen. He just died two weeks ago at 93. But when he took me on as a client very late in his career, he came to my house and went to my wardrobe. And he said, you know, you're in real luck that you're meeting me because 90% of what's in your wardrobe, when did you wear it last? And I said, no, no, two years, three years, you know, jackets and slacks and suits. And he says, so why do you keep them? And he said, well, you never know, you know, I might need them. And he says, well, the first thing we're going to do is we're just going to get rid of 90% of your wardrobe because we have to create a vacuum and fill it with new wardrobe. And it's the same thing, but we're keepers, you know, people keep things. We have relationships with things that some intervention from the outside really has to. (laughs) Yes,
1: causality. Well, listen, I look forward to exploring this in future segments, you know, reinventing manufacturing, reinventing transportation is what exponential technologies are going to continue to do.
0: I've got two sites that are daily sites that you'd be interested. One of them is called Supply Chain Dive, mm-hmm. and it's just the United States, and it's just news of the day related to supply chains. And the other one is Trucking Dive, what's happening in major trucking industries in the United States. And five days do not go by. I get it you know, during the week, and I look at it. There's always four or five things that give you indicators of future trends, Jim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's all the United States. It doesn't cover anywhere on the planet. But one thing about Amazon, Amazon is now officially the biggest logistics company on the planet.
1: Amazing. Amazing. More than Walmart, more than FedEx, more than the yeah, U.S. Post all Office.
0: the obvious, like UPS, FedEx, and all the others. It's now bigger than all of the others.
1: I keep on waiting for the U.S. government to put the U.S. Post Office out of its misery and just give the contract to Amazon. But that's a longer conversational story
0: you know why they won't why because direct mail is still the most effective marketing Ah, yeah because you can click things away more than you can everybody who gets a stack of letters obviously handles every letter or your assistant does
1: yeah i would pay an extra amount of money not to get all the junk mail i get but again let's save that for another conversation Um, Um, All right, as always, a pleasure, my friend. Thank you, Peter.